personnel please report to the quarantine zone. This is not a test. A new episode of Presbyterians in Quarantine Drinking Coffee is about to begin. Welcome, friends, to another thrilling episode of Presbyterians in Quarantine Drinking Coffee. I'm your moderator, Mark Mernan, and once again, I'm enjoined by the... Enjoined? No, I am joined. Yes. <laughs> not Siamese twins. By the dynamic duo <laughs> of Andrew Jacobson, <laughs> pastor of Sand Harbor Presbyterian Church and West Laver, pastor of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church here in South Florida, sunny Palm Beach Gardens, mm. Jupiter area, northern Palm Beach County, the mm. gem of the Gold Coast. Yes. Is that Half the year. Half the year, it's the gem. Half the year. The rest of the time, it's like the seventh level of hell, but I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah not quite. <laughs> not quite Someone like said, Minnesota. there's two seasons in Florida. Why does anybody live here, and why doesn't everybody live here? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I hadn't heard that one. Yes. I, I mean, the two seasons are hot and even hotter. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it was actually nice. I was in Vero Beach yesterday, mm-hmm. ate at an outdoor restaurant, and it was lovely. Oh, yeah. It just is. A it's few, been, just nice. a few miles to the north. So we are on episode 25, Sola Scriptura. We are coming to an end, our, our fourth Four or five. of five, our mm-hmm. fourth episode concerning the five solas and we have had sola gratia mm-hmm. sola fide mm-hmm. sola christus yeah. sola christus hello was last week mm-hmm. sola scriptura and soli deo gloria for the glory of god alone and in um, with in accordance with god's providence we are finishing the last sola as far as our listeners are concerned on the sunday or before the sunday reformation sunday Oh, that's right. So October 25th, 25th is Reformation oh, Sunday. That's right. Reformation Sunday. So next week, Sunday. when we the podcast comes out on Friday, you will be hearing Sunday. you will be yeah. hearing episode twenty six, which is the final Soli Deo Sola. Gloria, the final yeah. Sola. That's why we did on this. Reformation Sunday. You, you didn't know that, yeah, right? <laughs> and here I thought it was God's providence. <laughs> it, is, it is Andrew West's foresight. I am, I'm just honored to be in your presence yes. here. We got this. All right. So Sola Scriptura, according to Scripture alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's unpack it. Yeah. What's it mean? Well, let's let's give some of the history. I think that'd be helpful to, to kind of frame this discussion of where did this theological viewpoint really come out of? And in the Reformation, there was growing concern and uh, a growing sense of the danger of how much the authority of the church and the authority of tradition was uh, coming alongside or even trumping scripture. And so in, in the Catholic Church... They really had a, a threefold uh, set of what constitutes the authority for the believer. Okay. It was what scriptures teach, mm-hmm. what has been handed down through the tradition of church interpretation. Through the church, church fathers, through councils, yeah. etc. Okay. And then the leadership within the church, both the Pope, who, you know, could, when he spoke on a matter, uh, he could speak what's called ex cathedra, I mean, he speaks from his. Uh, position of authority as the Pope and what he says mm-hmm. is authority for the church. But then also, it was the belief that the the clergy, the hierarchy of church leadership, had interpretive authority to tell the laity what they ought to believe and what they ought to practice regarding what, what the scriptures teach. So you have papal, you have the ex cathedra, mm-hmm. you've got the tradi- you have the written and oral traditions mm-hmm. handed down allegedly from the apostolic authority through the church fathers. Uh, you also have the the top down, mm-hmm. and then you have the bottom up, which was also the ma- is that the magisterium becoming a source of authority. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it bottom up. I, it's really top down. It, w- it was hierarchical okay. in many ways, but. Mm-hmm. 
you have the Pope, but then you have the Cardinals, Cardinals, bishops, priests, those kind of things, and they had varying levels of interpretive authority. Mm-hmm. You know, basically the the scriptures were withheld from the common believer. They were in Latin. Yeah, they were translated. They're in Latin. The common, but that was intentional in some ways. Exactly, it was intentional, and and so you have a push from from people like William Tyndale in England to interpret the scriptures in the common tongue of the people. Mm-hmm. And he's debating one of the scholars mm-hmm. of the Catholic Church over a dinner, and he's you know, questioning all these different doctrines that relate to the authority of the church. And this scholar just is flabbergasted that he would challenge the church authority. And you know, he says, we'd, we'd be better off with the Pope's law than God's law, mm. which Tyndale could not stomach. And he said, I defy the Pope and all his laws. And if the Lord spares me many years, I will see to it that a boy who drives a plow knows the scripture better than you do. Mm. That was kind of the drive to get the scriptures into the hand of the people because they believe that's what the people needed. So that's some of the history. As, you, as we go through that historical basis, which really comes to full fruition in the 16th century in the mm-hmm. Reformation. Yep. We, mm-hmm. we see some. Go ahead. So from the abuse of papal authority when it comes to the scriptures, some of the things that Andrew is just describing, we have things like indulgences. That wasn't the only issue, mm-hmm. sure. but it was a big one. <clears throat> and so you have Luther enters the picture, says this is not what God's word teaches. Mm-hmm. Post the 95 a thesis on the, the door in Wittenberg, Germany. And then Pope Leo, I believe, uh, I can't remember which number, but Pope Leo sends uh, Luther what's called a papal bull, mm-hmm. a papal decree. And he condemns 40-something of the 95 thesis. And so Luther has a friend, uh, Frederick, the prince in Germany, and uh, because of his relationship with Frederick, Luther gets an audience. And so we come to the, the Diet of Worms, W-R-M-S. Very good German. I did that the best I possibly yeah, You did good. I am, I am my mom's from Germany. so that was. It's like the Atkins <laughs> diet, but different. So, <laughs> the Daniel yeah, so, diet on steroids. Yeah. And so and the, I'm, getting, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just giving this sort of history for no reason. So... Luther at the Diet of Worms uh, gets an audience, and then he he says this. This is his 11th point. He has an 11-point response to Pope Leo, and this is the point number 11. And it's all based on the authority of Scripture alone, Scripture alone. This is what he says. He says, Since your most serene majesty and your lordships require of me simple, clear, and direct answer, I will give one, and it is this. I cannot submit my faith either to the Pope or to the council, because it is as clear as noonday that they have fallen into error and even into glaring inconsistency with themselves. If then I am not convinced by proof from holy scripture or by cognate reasons, if I am not satisfied by the very text I have cited, and if my judgment is not in this way brought into subjection to God's word. I neither can, nor will I retract anything, for it cannot be either safe or honest for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Mm-hmm. Now, that, and you, you hit on a subject that I want to make sure that we cover here. The, the authority of Scripture is not an abstract 
uh, deep theological mm. principle without application. Luther was saved yeah. from a life of a life under Rome mm-hmm. by that the just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. His study of Romans uh, led him, 116, 117, it led him to a conviction that he was a sinner, guilty, and there was no justification other than that imputed by Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. So these are not just esoteric vagaries floating out there. These had to do with the practical application of salvation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what they were starting to realize is that the the authority of Scripture had been buried under, and then the true teaching of what Scripture tells had been buried under this pile of tradition, this pile of uh, church uh, views and church doctrines and church practices that were unbiblical. And, and they often went back to a place like Matthew 15, where Jesus was dealing with the religious leaders, and he calls them out for their traditions that they have elevated to the level of God's word. Right. And Jesus says, by elevating your traditions to the level of God's word, you actually make void the word of God. Right. Uh, and so uh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think. It's Matthew uh, 15, 6, where Jesus says, For the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Yeah. And what they're doing is they're teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And his whole point is you're taking... Things that man views that are, have no basis in Scripture, and you're teaching them as if they are God's word, and you're binding people to them, mm-hmm. and that is always dangerous. And so, part of the motivation behind this idea of sola scriptura, Scripture alone being the authority, is that the reformers believe that God alone has the authority to tell us what we're to believe and how we're to live. He alone can bind our conscience. We are free from the doctrines of men. So for example, in Westminster Confession, chapter one, section 10, it really summarizes this idea of sola scripture very well. It says, the supreme judge by which all controversies of religion are to be determined and all decrees of councils, opinions of ancient writers, doctrines of men and private spirits are to be examined and in whose sentence we are to rest can be no other but the Holy Spirit speaking to us in the scripture. That's sola scriptura. The, 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 this does not, however, because Reformed churches in particular adhere to standards, Westminster Confession, the Shorter Catechism, the Heidelberg document, that we, we are a creedal mm-hmm. faith, a confessional tradition. How are these distinct then from Scripture alone, the principle of Scripture alone? So we we and we did an episode on this. Um, we did an episode on creeds and confessions. I feel the need for a creed. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's called. And you know, it's my so, most clever title yet. That's right. That's <laughs> well, we out of many you've had. Yeah. yeah. What we have to go back here is: Are the consciences bound by the Word of God alone? And guess what? That's in our confession. Yes. Right. Yes. So our our confession it does nothing but perpetuate the doctrine of the sole and final authority of Scripture. Which is why it's important and why it makes sense. Because within our creeds and confessions, the emphasis is on the fact that they actually do not have the final authority because our conscience is only bound by the word. Yeah. And, and so we have to remember, what is the role or the place that creeds have in, in our denomination, for example, or any, like even individual churches, like a, like a Southern Baptist church, they'll have a, a doctrinal statement. 
or, or an independent truth of a doctrinal statement. And those are always and should always be subservient to the scriptures. The scripture is the supreme court. All those other ones, those are, those are lower courts. But right. the are reason, you saying we should pack? No, we're not. Yes. <laughs> we not pack the court with the... Um, I'm just waiting I'm sorry. for, I'm waiting for, <laughs> I'm waiting for <laughs> Biden just to pack a room. I don't yes. know. I'm sorry. Delete that from the table. And so, and the reason I think we believe those are necessary is one, the scriptures demand to be interpreted. And so when we get the scripture, it's not just the, we just, you know, pull the words off the page and kind of put them together. So like, it means something. Like, who is Jesus Christ? We have to answer that question. When we answer that question, we're yeah. forming a, a doctrinal statement. But also the scriptures call us to protect against error. So when error has arisen, a false interpretation of scripture, we're also to protect against that. So creeds do two things. They state positively what we believe the scriptures teach, what is good for us. And then also negatively, they help us protect against errors, erroneous ways of thinking. So often uh, creeds will have, we affirm this or we, we deny, deny this. Sure. And But it's always subservient to and should be... Um, Modified by scripture if it's shown to be in error. How through uh, through history has the principle of scripture alone, uh, even in recent times, how has it been abused or maligned? How has it been abused? Um, I think I think it's probably more subtle. Or, and I guess, so let's let's categorize this. Are we talking about like the American evangelical church? Let's start I think it there. might be a little sure. more helpful because yeah. there's obvious examples where they don't even verbally state or take a stance on the sole authority of Scripture. Right. You know, such as the Roman Catholic Church. So we'll talk about American evangelicalism. Um, man, just look at the practice. And this is something we were talking a little bit about <laughs> earlier. We've talked a lot about this when it comes to, to worship. Yeah. Uh, so how do we how do we form or structure our worship? Right? Is it is it because this is how God's word has informed and instructed the way in which we approach God? Sure. Or is it what we think will bring people through the doors so we can build our church and sort of like the ends then justify the means? And so I think the diversity the one way, of interpretation. Yeah, yeah. I think the one way I see it most prevalent is in worship when it comes to the American evangelical church. And then there's also doctrinal stuff left and right. And uh, this this uh, sort of easy believism type of Christianity, which is it takes picks and choose scripture, right? Mm -hmm. right. And so um, we're cherry picking texts that we think support our view, but we're not taking the whole of scripture. All of these texts about sanctification, right? When we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, to examine ourselves, to see if we are in the faith. All these different things that do not get brought up and are just completely tossed by the wayside, completely neglected. Uh, does that reflect uh, the authority of God's word? I say no, it doesn't. So in other words, the, the contextualization and ripping the ripping the scripture from its context in a passage, in a chapter, etc., is one of the ways that scripture alone, if I put that in air quotes, is abused. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I would say one way it's it, it's abused is we misinterpret sola scriptura as solo scriptura. And now the difference between those mm -hmm. two, mm -hmm. scripture, sola scriptura, scripture alone, but that is not to the denial of. Um, 
the communion of saints, the fellowship of the body of Christ, yeah. the history of interpretation, the role of, mm-hmm. of creeds and confessions. Solo Scriptura says, me, myself, and my Bible, yeah. and no one else. Mm-hmm. And, so and I, there, I heard, there are whole denominations yeah. not, who defy or deny creedalism, mm-hmm. a creed, mm-hmm. and yet have come into these areas of error that a confession or a document might have helped them. I remember one example of this that was very strong. In, in my college years, I, I had a pastor who constantly encouraged the congregation to just, you know, forget what you've been taught about this, that, or the other thing, and just get alone with you and your Bible, between you and the Lord and with your Bible, and just come to your own conclusions. And that was his constant advice, basically really promoting this this isolated individualism. Mm. Whereas I th- the scriptures, as one of the elders at our church, he constantly reminds us, the scriptures are, we, we're called to interpret the scriptures for ourselves. We, sh- we should be personal readers of the Bible, but we should never interpret the scriptures by ourselves, meaning in isolation from the rest of the body of Christ, in rejection of anything that has come in the history of interpretation. Th- there is a danger with soul scripture where we, we almost act like we're the first ones to approach the Bible and we are the most objective and everything that's come before us or every other doctrinal view that's out there is really has a confirmation bias or, yeah. or some, yeah. and, and we're here with objectivity. Or that God is, has individually singled you out for revelation that no one has come across before. Yeah, and that's the other the other way that Sola Scriptura has been abused. It's not so much that Sola Scriptura has been abused, but you see the trajectory of people moving a Rejecting tradition, mm-hmm. getting rid of that, and then almost moving to this private revelation where the Lord told me mm. this kind of thing. Where It's almost like you're actually replacing tradition with what I think mm-hmm. God told me in this quiet moment by myself. As I'm reading and something flashed through my yes. mind here. Yep. That yes. is not the Lord. That is just the tacos from last night. Yes. I've, I've got another one too. Taco Bell probably. I've got another one. That is a very common American evangelical church. And this would be putting prophetic utterances, things that, you know, someone, some prophecy someone gives mm-hmm. or some divine revelation. And I'm air quoting here, so you can't see that. But, um, some divine <laughs> On the radio, yeah. Wes is air quoting. <laughs> so putting these things on the level with scripture, scripture. equating them with scripture, that is a... a yeah one clear example of the denial of scripture alone is is taking anything that is not found in scripture and then equating it with scripture and i think it goes back to the doctrine of the sufficiency of scripture and we have to ask ourselves the question is the bible enough is the bible sufficient yeah Yeah, well i add to that like let's go the opposite extreme of the Mm -hmm. the private revelation kind of thing, this, the spiritualistic view of, of interpreting scriptures. There's also, in the history of interpretation, has come like this very rationalistic, mm-hmm. very scientific, where you, you come to the Bible and as, as long as you have the exact, perfect, laid out way of, you know, you're supposed to interpret the scriptures this way, then you, boom, out will pop the correct interpretation and you know, everyone It's else, like a binary code, oh, yes. ones, oh, zeros and ones all the way through, yeah, spit yeah. it in, you get an answer. Yeah, where, where there is, um, you know, almost like a cold intellectual approach to mm-hmm. the scriptures. Yeah. Where we have this right methodology, and the reason they interpret it wrong is because they didn't follow our seven step, you know, interpretive process. process. Um, so that, yeah, you know, that, that's one way maybe it's potentially been 
uh, abuse. But I think you know one of the questions that came up in the Reformation was what role does the the communion of saints, both the present body of Christ who's alive, but also the history of the people who've gone before us. Right. What what place does that have? And and once as Rome said, well, it's equal level right with Scripture. Mm-hmm. And then some today would almost say, well, it has, has no place. It's not, it's not helpful. It's harmful, actually. We, we want to get rid of that when we come to scriptures. And the former is really saying, it is not authoritative, but it's helpful. You'd be a fool for neglecting it. I mean, think about anyone who comes to a research project for some science experiment. They're, they're trying to discover the effectiveness of a drug. If they treated it as if they were the first people ever Without to do any research. Taking work, advantage of all, all the, the research that's exactly. come before it. We would consider them a fool. Right. And that's how many people, I think, approach the scriptures. Let, let's, let's address a particular aspect of scripture which makes it authoritative. And that is the theonuesto, the yes. God-breathed aspect of scripture. According Greek here. Talk about the, the, the author, the ultimate author, and why we, why we give scripture the, the sola, <laughs> yes. scripture alone, the weight that we do. Yeah, so, I mean, Second Peter 1, 19-21. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So that's the, you know the whole idea here is is what who gets the authority right right is the authority man or is the authority God that's that's the question yeah it's very simple and the the the, the doctrine of sola scriptura is placing God in the place of authority and man in the place of a subject to that authority mm-hmm. in fact scripture itself refers to scripture itself refers to itself yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we have Pharaoh said to uh, Pharaoh mm-hmm. said to Moses and then later says scripture says mm-hmm. uh, equating the scripture and God mm-hmm. giving exactly. them equivalency so like when it comes to um, and I and I think so there, if you, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this like Christian deconstructionism stuff that's kind of popular they're deconstructing right now. everything yeah so it's like it's, it's people that were raised in the church mm-hmm. deconstructing their faith mm. so so what are they actually doing let's kind of take let's zone out here and talk about what they're actually doing and they're replacing the authority of god with the authority of man mm-hmm. and so they're saying that i'm going to base what i believe not on what god has said but on what everyone in the media or my you know so and so i met and, and their experiences and my experiences and his experiences and her experiences and it's all of our experiences together in this cluster and this is going to form what we believe so so this is the authority is is experience not god mm-hmm. and that's really substituting the whole... well they're substituting another authority they're yeah. making another authority primary mm-hmm. yeah that's the problem with yeah. deconstructionism and what but the is... only way to get there is you must remove scripture yeah. as the authority exactly. so you can substitute what you would like over it so we over man overlooks scripture rather than scripture overlooking man yeah exactly yeah yeah and, and so when it comes to the inspiration of scripture if that really is at the core of why we believe scripture is the sole authority for what we're to believe and how we're to live. Mm-hmm. Because we believe that, yes, it's human authors right. who wrote human books. We don't deny but, yeah, We human, don't deny the human part, aspect. Of it. Exactly. But, but we, we affirm. We affirm also, in addition to that, that it was God working by his spirit in and through 
men those. being carried along by yep. the Spirit. Yeah. And so, and once that we'd say that the scriptures are both human and divine. Yeah. And we could compare that to Christ, that in the incarnation, you know, God the Son took on flesh and dwelt among us, that he was fully divine, fully human. Scriptures, fully divine, fully human, that in and through the human authors, God was working such that what they wrote was what he sovereignly desired and arranged for them to write. And so that what we get in the Bible is not ultimately the word of man, but the word of God. He's the ultimate author. This idea of authority is one, probably the principal aspect of the attributes of Scripture. The others, of course, being sufficiency, clarity, and necessity. Mm-hmm. How can we say that the Scriptures are clear when they appear to be contradictory? Why are they necessary? And are they enough? <laughs> well, there's a load of questions. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I think we're going to be in like I, three I was, episodes of this. Yeah, well, with the clarity of Scripture... <laughs> You know, we, we affirm that not all <laughs> things are plain. Right. Even even the Bible, even Peter says that about Paul's writings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we'd say that the the main things are the plain things. The main mm-hmm. things are the plain and things. So Good principle. Even when you look at the Protestant church, which is you know, it's, it's very broad. Yeah. But if you do break it down to what are some of its core uh, beliefs, the person of Christ, yeah. uh, his Trinity, deity, his virgin birth. Yeah. Yes. You have, they're you have fundamental. A, so you you do can. have a fundamental unity. And so you, you see the simple things like what you know, John teaches. This is Jesus Christ and whom we are to believe to have eternal life. Uh, and so the main, the main things are the plain things. Good. So, I, and I also say the problem is not the word. The problem is interpretation. Mm-hmm. And the problem is fallibility of man. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I was trying to think of a little clever example. This is what I came up with. We'll see if it works. But so you have <laughs> something happens right in the news. Um, an actual event happened. There is objective truth there, mm-hmm. right? Something happened. It happened exactly as it happened. But then you watch CNN's take on it and Fox News take on it, and you have two different perspectives. Sure. And so when we talk about the Bible, man is fallible. Mm-hmm. And so although Scripture is infallible and fully authoritative, our interpretation is not. Yeah. Right? And right. So, so it is clear on the essentials clear on anything pertaining to salvation it is sufficient for our lives sufficient for the christian life but at the same time we do have to understand that interpretation is not fallible yeah and the interpretation itself applies to the original autographs or what we would call the original manuscripts Mm -hmm. oh it's two thousand years old we don't have any but we we do in fact Mm -hmm. have thousands of parchments fragments both of hebrew and greek I mean, and those are what allow us to precisely interpret and to understand what the original interpretation was, does it not? Uh, It helps us with a strong degree of certainty know what originally was written so that we have, you know, based upon the manuscripts that we've collected and all these things, we have uh, faithful English Bibles that we can yeah. mm-hmm. be confident that this is what. So when Bart, when someone like Bart Ehrman says, "Oh, there's t- hundreds of thousands of textual variants. There's so many mistakes. You can't even recognize it." Every five or six years, the Newsweek magazine comes out. Why the Bible yeah. is wrong, etc. But we've heard all these yes. for hundreds of years, have we not? Exactly. And it, it, once it, that's where it comes down to, um, where does your fundamental allegiance lie? If it is to human reason, 
is it, or is it to divine authority? And if it's all to be human reason, like you'll, you'll come to this and you will criticize it night and day, up and down, left and right, and you will ultimately, you're, you're not going to submit to it because mm. you have, you're submitting to your own authority. human reason. You, everyone has some authority, some ultimate authority by which they judge all things. Right. The question is, exactly. the question is not if you have it, it's, it's what is it? So for some it's human reason, for others it's human experience. Mm. And, you know, science, science being the current God yeah, yeah. yeah exactly and so the, the Christian view is that the God who created the world has also revealed himself to us and in revealing self, himself to us has caused his words to be written down and passed on from generation and we have it here in in other words it hasn't changed in the 500 years since the uh, Reformation it's still Martin Luther reading the word of God Romans 1.16 that a man is justified by his faith and by no other cause, revealed through the scriptures, by the by, by faith, through grace, uh, in Christ, through the scriptures alone. Exactly. And I think when we, um, you know, one of the criticisms that the Catholic Church brought against the Reformation was, if you allow the individual to read the scriptures and to interpret it, you're going to open it to all sorts of errors and things like that. So just give us the authority. Let sure. Us have, let trust us, us. Just trust us to tell you what you ought to believe. Mm -hmm. But what the reformers pointed out is, even when you've done that, you guys haven't even agreed with each other. Different popes have said different things. Like That's what Luther yeah. was pointing out, yeah. the quote you gave. It's, the myth often is that Protestantism is just a mess of you know, just diversity and disagreement. And the Roman Catholic Church, like they just got it all together. They're a monolith. And that's not true. That, yeah. That's not the case. You know, we, because we're fallible interpreters, you know, there, there's going to be disagreement and division. That's why you have to remember, you know, keep the main thing. The main, the main things, main the, things the, are the, the plain, plain things. things. <laughs> yes. A great way to close out the topic this week, though we will not plumb the depths in this mere 30 minutes. No, we won't. But a great, I'm just Hopefully it whets your appetite and, and you really continue this to is how, dig into these things. This is how Jesus nailed the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He says, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Exactly. Well, fascinating. We're going to pick up. This is the end of our fourth sola, though not the end of the subject. It is the end of the broadcast. Next week, we'll be back with Soli Deo Gloria, yes. which the is the fifth and final. Sola. So the climactic sola, the glory of God alone. So we will be with you again next week. Join us again for uh, Andrew Jacobson for West Lover. I'm your moderator, Mark Mernan. It's great to be with you. Join us again next week for Presbyterians in Quarantine, drinking coffee. This episode of Presbyterians in Quarantine Drinking Coffee is now over. You may now exit the quarantine zone.